This is Word on the Streets, a podcast about the Buttles and Indian Corridor Improvement Project. This podcast is created by the City of Midland, Michigan, and produced by the MCTV Network. Hello, and welcome to Word on the Streets, a podcast covering information, updates, and perspective on the Buttles and Indian Corridor Improvement Project right here in the City of Midland. I'm your co-host, Katie Geyer, Communications Coordinator for the City of Midland, and I am here with my fellow co-host, Grant Marshall, the Director of Planning and Community Development for the City. Hi, Grant. We're here. Hi, Katie. How are you? Doing great. Doing great. So I'm happy to be here. I think this is going to be a terrific way to be able to take the next step with this project. Um, This has been a long project, in fact, three plus years that we've been working on these corridors here in the city. And we've been going through a, a, a variety of phases to get us to this point. We've had study originally, which involved public input. We then had the recommendations of the study come back to council, and they decided, well, you know, I think via recommendation by MDOT that they would go forward with more data collection. So we had the trial that took place with our now infamous bollards that were out on the street. (laughs) And and then we had some additional opportunity for public input, um, all arriving to really last month when city council made their decision um, to move forward with this corridor being a two-lane profile on Buttle Street. And so now we're moving into the next phase, which really relates to the design side of things. Yeah, so like you said, this has been a long, extensive project, a lot of community input, a lot of staff, and MDOT's time really developing what this is going to look like in the future. So um, with that being said, and this being our first episode of this podcast, I think we should really start talking about expectations and what this podcast is really all about. You know, we've heard the data and the statistics. We've received so much public input. We've completed the trial, and city council has made the decision on the corridor. So we're really not going to go back in this podcast and rehash all of that. Everyone's heard it. Uh, We've lived it through several iterations. Um, So what we're really going to do with this Word on the Streets podcast is explore the next steps in this process. What are we going to be able to expect moving forward? What is the public going to see and do along the way? And really get some inside insight from some of the departments and the people that are involved in making this whole thing happen. I'm very much looking forward to it. I think this is the right kind of way to get more information out to the community. Bringing in the right kind of experts at different times is a a terrific thing. I think one thing too we have to remember is that this is, it's a long-term project. This is a corridor that um, it's been decades since a big reconstruction took Mm -hmm. place. Um, as we move forward with this, we want it to be a corridor that's going to serve the city for decades into the future. So it will be a long-term project as we continue on. Um, the design process itself, as we move forward, is going to take um, a, probably a, a better part of a year or more. Um, and it may be up until 2024 or longer until we actually have physical construction um, on the um, on the actual roadway itself. So you're right. I think as we dive into this podcast, we're really going to be able to have an opportunity to be able to provide more information as we go along to um, to be able to, to inform the public in a meaningful way, um, because this will take quite a bit of time. Sure. So let's just dive right on into it and talk about next steps. So now, after City Council passing a resolution, we are officially in the design phase of this project. Um, And one of the directives within that resolution that city council passed was asking for city staff to be involved in the process. So I know your department is gonna be involved in that as well as engineering. What does that look like and how are we gonna be involved in that? Right, so uh, typical with any MDOT project within the city limits, they always wanna engage the staff of the city um, or any jurisdiction that they're working with on specific facets of that design. 
um, <clears throat> because of course they have metrics and design standards that they need to meet. A lot of the same um, standards are ones that engineering has to do when we do other roads in the city that aren't MDOT roads, but rather roads that are under our control fully. Mm -hmm. um, so there's that really the, the de design standards that they'll be bringing into the project. That's something that engineering is going to be working very closely on in order to match that the road work is going to be similar to what we have throughout other parts of the city. Um, other examples of that would be when the cul-de-sac, or sorry, not the cul-de-sac, but rather the roundabout was put in mm, yeah. um, at Patrick in US 10 a number of years ago, um, and the way that um, Lyon, as it gets closer to Washington and all of that was designed, there was close interaction with the city um, at that time in order to ensure that it's going to work well. That's been a project that's been very successful in Midland. Um, and so it's going to be in a similar type of fashion that city staff will engage with MDOT staff through this. We have a little bit more of the planning side that's coming into this because, of course, it's within a neighborhood of the city that does have a very dense development pattern. Mm -hmm. um, we have lots of vision for new development to take place in that corridor. And so it's more than just um, thinking about cars, which we've talked about a lot um, up into the last three years. But really, it's about this holistic approach of how do we look at the context of the surrounding area? How do we look at other modes of transportation? including cars, but also pedestrians and other non-motorized users like bikes. Um, we have e-scooters, e-bikes that may be being utilized more and more in the community as well. So yes. we have to start to incorporate that thinking within a lot of this design too. And that's where um, us as city staff, knowing exactly what the community needs are and desires are and where we're going in a broader vision can help in the design process. It's also important for us to recognize that we did have a lot of public input specific to safety concerns in the corridor. A lot of it was related to um, vehicle traffic and motorists. And we want to make sure that we are, in fact, taking into consideration that. And there's ways that we can do that. And MDOT's assured us that that's something that they're very keen on as well. So um, the collaboration between the two is going to be very important. Sure. Mm -hmm. So as you made a point already, you know, one thing we never have a lack of in Midland is public input. Um, this project was absolutely no exception, having managed the social media channels for the city of Midland in particular. I know there was so much social media chatter and just a lot of um, general inquiries and, and opinions that were being shared about the project. So um, it was really important for council to make sure that they directed both staff and MDOT to get public input and use what we've already heard in this actual process. So what does that actually look like? Mm -hmm. So now that we move into the design phase, MDOT in their design process already has public input opportunities that are baked in. Okay. And so they've assured us that they'll utilize those in order to advance this next phase um, in an appropriate fashion, allowing for the public to still remain um, able to participate. Um, there's going to be one early on in the design phase, and then there's going to be one later on in the design phase for sure. There may be other opportunities, but that's going to be determined as we go forward. But for sure, we'll know we'll have two design opportunities as we get closer for people to be able to provide feedback um, as it relates to um, a design that's being um, uh, put forward, which I think is a little bit of an easier thing for people to, to participate in because really we've talked a lot in concept um, how do roads enforce economic development or allow for context-sensitive design solutions? It makes a lot of sense to us that are maybe in the industry or in the profession to really talk about those conceptual ideas, but um, I don't think every member of the public really has that same grasp or of understanding. And so 
moving into the design phase, it will be an opportunity for people to be able to react specifically to a design, to say, you know, this is a radius of a turn that seems um, small or seems big, or this is a place that may be difficult for pedestrians, or what are the, the ramps going to look like for um, barrier-free or handicap-accessible access as you cross through the corridor and stuff like that. So that's where I think as we move into design, those two input opportunities for sure will be opportunities for people to participate and provide their feedback. I agree. Um, I know I'm a visual creative person, so I think like a lot of people, for me, it was difficult to kind of envision what a two-lane road would actually look like in that space. And we all know about the orange ballers. We won't talk about those much more (laughs) uh, that were used during the trial and then just having a vacant lane sitting there, you know, just collecting stuff, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, We I think can all agree that nobody wanted a corridor that would look like that. And I think that was a lot of trepidation within the community is to say, is that just going to be what I can expect? Um, So how do we kind of change that perception and what can people start to think about going forward of what that can actually look like for us? Sure. So I think that's where sort of that design piece really helps when we do finally get Um, an initial sketch, which we're actually going to talk about here in a few minutes in this podcast. Um, But when we get those initial sketches, people, I think, are going to be able to conceptualize or really understand and visualize a little bit better as to what this will look like. Um, We have, of course, those objectives that we've been working through as part of this um, project. And so the design is going to have to reinforce those objectives. And those objectives have been things including uh, traffic calming, um, creating a better corridor for non-motorized transportation. So we'll see that those probably going to be more space dedicated to people. Um, When you get out on that street, on Buttles in particular right now, um, you have about a five to six foot wide sidewalk. Mm -hmm. And then you have about 30, really closer to 50 feet of vehicle lane. And when you think about um, kind of the, the difference between those two or how much space we dedicate to pedestrians versus what we dedicate to cars, it's, it's very big. Um, it's a massive difference at the moment. Um, by going with the two lanes, we'll allow for more space to be able to be dedicated to non-motorized transportation. That won't be an on-street bike lane. We know for sure that that's not what it's sure, going to be, yep. which was part of the original renderings that were done. But there could be wider sidewalks that's part of it. Certainly there's going to be a little bit more green space that goes along with that too. That's going to naturally improve aesthetics because we'll be able to do more street trees. Um, Midland has a phenomenal streetscape across the city where we have lots of street trees. That's something we will certainly be pushing for. Opportunities for improvements on lighting um, and other things will go along with the design as well. All of that, of course, will reinforce the traffic calming nature of what we're trying to do. We want to move people through efficiently, but we don't want people to just fly through um, like bats out of hell, if you will, sure. um, as they go forward through the corridor. We want it to be appropriate and be um, considerate to the context in which it's in. Sure. I know I'm excited personally um, being someone who is kind of a Midland transplant uh, to see that change from being like a physical highway corridor to something that, in my opinion, from other communities that I've been in, is more of like a local street type of feel, even though it still is functioning as a major thoroughfare. So that's really exciting. Yeah, and that's that's a good point that you bring up because we can accomplish design and, um, and look um, to be able to look more appropriate for the context of a city and still get the functionality out of the road. I think sometimes people think, well, if you're gonna turn it into a local street or it's gonna be just like a residential street where you can go really slow and that's there'll be speed bumps and other things like that. That's not what we're trying to do. We're really trying to meet in the middle and provide some compromise so we can have um, more achievements when it comes to meeting the context that it's in. Perfect. So this is a great segue into what I wanted to talk about next, because at the January 25th City Council meeting um, where MDOT came 
back, they shared some preliminary, very preliminary uh, potential designs for some of the intersection improvements on Buttles that kind of address a lot of the safety concerns that some of the public have had. So let's take a look at those in a little more detail. Um, we are looking at them right now on the screen. If you're listening on audio only, you can check out these designs while we talk about them at cityofmidlandmi.gov corridors. So what are we looking at here? Right, so you did mention that we are sh looking at the renderings here for the corridor and specifically intersections at um, Buttle Street and Jerome, which is M20, the intersection of Buttles and Ashman, and then also the intersections of Townsend and Cronkright. Cronkright, of course, is the, the road that feeds into the Poseyville Road Bridge right. to head southbound um, into Midland Township. Um, but what we see on these renderings is red lines that delineate where the current um, curb line is at and blue lines where potential future curb lines could be. Um, the reason why we talk specifically about curb lines or why it's important to kind of look at those right now is um, the fact that we have a, um, a need to really have turning lanes at some of these more sure. important intersections. Um, during the trial when we had those orange bollards, we did end up creating a turn lane at Cronkite because of the traffic backup that was being created. So what you're seeing here on Cronkite on this specific um, working example is um, that turn lane to be able to go southbound or turn right onto Cronkite um, from Buttles. So that this is, I think, the type of um, renderings and things that will um, allow us to kind of be able to provide a little bit more reaction to where we're going. Um, some of the other things that you see on this particular one is maybe a uh, bigger radius at the intersection of Jerome and Buttles, turning from Jerome right onto Buttles. Um, we have lots of trucks um, that utilize this corridor. Sure. Um, it's um, used year-round, um, especially during campaign season for Michigan Sugar when we have B trucks that come through. Mm -hmm. These are very large vehicles. They're very long. Um, and their turning radius is much different than a passenger vehicle, of course. Sure. And so ways that we can improve that specific intersection to allow for better turning radius is um, part of what the consideration will be. So what's shown on this particular example is um, a widening of that radius or uh, uh, making it bigger in order to make it a little easier for um, trailer trucks and, and others to turn. Okay. And I'm looking at uh, specifically the Ashman intersection and it looks like you know we move the curb line in a little bit removing what we would call that vacant lane right now and allowing for some additional green space in that area but it looks like it actually comes back out to meet where the existing curb line is for a turn lane but it looks like there's plenty of room there for like a deceleration lane so that it gives mm -hmm. traffic the opportunity to get out of the main line of traffic in order to turn, um, which in, from what I understand in my very limited knowledge of uh, street planning is uh, reduces the um, um, possibility of rear end collisions and, and other collisions in that area. Mm -hmm. No, that's, that's exactly it. That deceleration lane um, being provided by that right turn lane, um, that's exactly what it allows. People that are going to be turning off, um, those that'll be going straight are able to stay in that middle lane. Others are able to, to move over. Um, similar functionality we have all over the city where we have two lane roads that do have those right turn lanes. Sure. Well, I'm looking at these and it, it makes sense to me and I am not a planner. So I hope that at least in these preliminary design processes that um, our residents are able to take a look at this and start to get a little bit more creative in their, their mind about what this is going to look like. Um, it's very exciting to kind of start seeing this take shape already. Mm -hmm. 
So I think it's really helpful for all of us to look at what this actually looks like. And in an upcoming episode of our podcast, we are going to have our friends at MDOT back and we will continue to have them back throughout the design process to just kind of talk about what they're seeing through the design phase. Once we have something more concrete developed, we'll have them in to kind of talk through it. Um, a lot more conversational than what you'll probably see at City Council um, so that you can get a better understanding as a community of what we're looking at. Um, so now that we have talked about buttles, let's switch gears or lanes, if you will, uh, and talk about another hot topic that has come up recently, which is the future of Indian Street. Um, so there were some rumors and I think even some some media chatter on um, that council would need to take similar action for Indian Street as they did to Buttles to help direct MDOT and what the city was really looking for in that corridor. And then the latest that we've heard is now that's not going to be necessary. Um, kind of what's the status of all of that? And do we know what's going to go on with Indian reconstruction in the future? Right, right. So um, very good question because you're right. Um, this has always been an Indian and Buttles type of um, corridor design improvement project. Ever since the original study um, created this idea of possibly dieting the road to um, provide for the improvement, um, Indian was always something that was going to be included. Um, what we know about Buttles um, is a different set of circumstances than what we know about Indian. And so in conversations that uh, myself and Brad Kay, city manager, have had with um, the leaders of MDOT's Bay Region office that's been leading this project, um, <clears throat> they've indicated that Indian is of a type of street that doesn't lend itself to being able to have that concrete decision of is it going to be three or is it going to be two lanes. There's ways to improve Indian and be able to go about the same types of improvement that we've talked about as it relates to core context sensitive design, non-motorized transportation improvement, and the like, all while keeping it three lanes primarily. Um, so exactly what Indian is going to look like, that's again going to be part of that design process. But I do know that what we don't need now or what MDOT doesn't need is a council decision to, um, to go from three to two lanes on Indian. They're able to proceed through the design process with the decision that council has already made. Okay, so you heard it here first. Officially, there will not be a council decision on Indian, but we look forward to working with MDOT um, for the future of Indian reconstruction. Do we know anything about a timeline for when Indian would be reconstructed? We know Buttles is going to be at least another three or four years out. Um, I'm assuming Indian it may be even further than that. So do we know at this point? It, we don't at this point. Um, there's a chance that both Indian and Buttles could be done uh, very similar in time frames, probably mm -hmm. not all at once, um, since that would be kind of chaotic. But at the same time, there is a chance that um, because they're one-way pairs, that there would be maybe joint um, uh, funding that gets created in order to do the project. So um, we still kind of have to wait and see um, as that goes forward. But I know design-wise, they are wanting to do both Indian and Buttles together so that they have those uh, those designs ready on the shelf and ready to go if there ever becomes funding available. Perfect. Well, we have covered a lot for an introductory episode, so that's all we're going to do today. Um, Grant, thank you so much for being here and for your insight and expertise in all of this. So helpful. Um, hopefully helpful for everyone out there that's listening as well. Um, so we will be back uh, next month. This podcast will be posted the third Thursday of every month or sooner if we have breaking news or other fun stuff that we need to talk about. Um, with more information on the design process, we'll have more next steps for the Buttles and Indian Corridor Improvement Project and just more things that we can all look forward to as a community as this project progresses. So until next time, we will see you soon and slow down. This has been Word on the Streets, a podcast created by the City of Midland, Michigan and produced by the MCTV Network. 
For more information on this podcast or to learn more about the Buttles and Indian Corridor Improvement Project, visit cityofmidlandmi.gov corridors.